Understanding big data is just part of the problem most institutions face, says Michael Fox and Aaron Caldero of Zions Bank. Trying to use big data in a meaningful way to prevent fraud, facilitate forensics after and before attacks, and comply with ever-increasing regulatory mandates is the greatest challenge. And more banking institutions are weighing their options to determine if handling big data in-house versus outsourcing its management makes the most sense. Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group, and I'm here today with Michael Fox and Aaron Caldiero, both of Zion's Security Analytics Department, to talk about the options all banking institutions should consider and the steps they can pursue during the process. Michael, I'd like to start with you just to give us some background about this department at Zions. Zions has been using big data for quite some time. In fact, the bank now has this entire department, the security analytics department, that's dedicated to big data. What can you tell us about this department and the role that it plays within your institution? This department, the security analytics department, was formed a few years ago after we had some initial success with using some of the newly available big data tools. And that was success with aggregating our security logs, performing long-term data correlation, where the correlations were spanning days and not minutes, as well as having a low-cost solution in place to store large amounts of data over a log period of time. So once we had those initial successes, the team was then formally put together and is primary leveraged by our information security and fraud prevention and risk departments to assist with ingesting new data sets into our security data stores to mining, you know, doing data mining type of activities and model building activities using that data, as well as building software tools and utilities to assist in achieving our data analytics goals. And would you say, Michael, that the creation of this department has helped the bank to improve information sharing among some of the departments as well as external entities? Yes, it has. This is not something that we initially expected or set out to accomplish. We've seen some of the benefits that we have gotten from this has been the ability to provide detailed information about specific events in a timely fashion or having conversations with others and in the ability to quickly test out hypotheses or hunches about particular security events. And we found by being able to do that, that it has greatly improved the quality of the conversations and the resulting decisions that are being made when working with others. But again, it wasn't something that we initially set out to accomplish. It was a pleasant side effect. Now, Michael, you've noted that the road to understanding big data has been a long one for Zions Bank. In fact, the bank embarked upon its big data path about six years ago and tried a variety of different options. What would you say have been some of the biggest lessons that Zions Bank has learned where analytics relative to fraud prevention and fraud detection are concerned? Well, to start, it's very hard to predict what your data needs are going to be in the future. Uh, when collecting data, there's a tendency, which is probably a carryover from the days of building traditional data warehouses, to summarize data where possible and to remove data that is not relevant to the problems or questions that you're trying to find answers to right now. After a while, we got tired of having to constantly go back and making adjustments with what data elements we were loading into our data store. Or we got to the point where we just decided to just load everything. And from an operational perspective, that made life much simpler. However, it did create some other problems that we didn't expect. And I think these are problems that exist with big data in general. And that is that big data also means big noise. And this is a topic that's been covered to some degree 
of Nate Silver's recent book. It can be a lot easier to find relationship in things where they don't actually exist when you have access to a lot of data. So it can kind of end up being a double-edged sword. Another challenge that we ran across is that you need to figure out a way to tame the biases that you have about the data or events that you're reviewing. We all do this. We build up biases over time as part of our journey in becoming security experts. But if we're not careful, these biases can impede our ability to understand new attack methods and trends. Now, Aaron, I'd like to go to you for a moment. How has big data and some of the work that you've been doing at Zions helped the bank to improve detection from a cross-channel perspective? So cross-channel fraud is a very complex problem and a problem that's well-suited for big data. And there are a lot of commercial products in this space that don't really truly perform a full cross-channel analytics. They just kind of aggregate fraud alerts together from several channels. And our desire is to be perform a little bit better than those. And bringing together all the different disparate data sources has given us the ability to put all those puzzle pieces together in a way that makes sense, in a way that can be impactful to the business. And then, Aaron, what about fraud prevention? How is your bank using big data? I can't get too specific there, um, but I can say that it is part of our daily operations. We are able to use it as from soup to nuts, from beginning to end as part of our full fraud prevention. We you know, use it for researching, use it for forensics, and all sorts of analytics in between. And then what would you say, Aaron, about forensics after an attack or data mining to forecast potential attacks? How is big data being used there? So in this space, it allows us to perform the work uh, much quicker than we were able to in the past. When incidences occur, we don't have to track down the data to be able to analyze it. We're able to have that at our fingertips ready to go to get answers to those questions. And the data repositories also act as a large source for testing models as we develop them. And as we're implementing them as well, we're able to implement much quicker and be much more responsive to fraud incidents. Now, this is a question that either one of you is welcome to answer or both of you. Zions handles its own data in-house with an open source platform. What can you tell me about the platform that you use for your big data management? As far as the big data repository goes, uh, we're using Hadoop and Hive. And Hive's a data warehousing application that was developed for Hadoop. And we use this as our primary data store. And the vendor we have chosen for Hadoop is MapR. However, we've used others in the past. To load data into this environment, we've developed some of our own ETL tools and how and ETL stands for Extract, Transform, and Load. To manage loading data into our Hadoop environment and cluster, we use these custom tools to take care of scheduling and dependencies that exist in job flows. For example, where you wouldn't want to kick off a model or a report to run until the data has been fully loaded into our environment. And in the analytics space, we use a lot of custom scripting and as well as Hive in order to access the data through Hadoop. And we also use R, which is an open source programming language for stats for doing a lot of the heavy lifting for analytics and anything in between that we can, you know, the right tool for the right job. We even use Excel for a lot of things when we need to and for communicating uh, results to the business. And then what would you say is the primary difference between an open source platform and a proprietary platform? How can institutions determine what the best option is? Well, the, the big data space is very fluid right now. There are a lot of innovative commercial products that are being developed and are hitting the market, as well as great tools that have been developed by companies and academia that have been turned into open source projects. Uh, one of the key differences we've found 
between the two is the level of support that's provided. Uh, if you decide to use an open source application that is popular, then there's usually pretty good support available through the open source community. But a lot of times the people that are providing this support are doing it on the side and it's not their primary job. You don't have a guarantee in what the response time will be if you ask a question to help you out with a problem you've run into. And this, I think, is one of the main potential benefits that exist with using a commercial provider. So in a sense, it kind of boils down to the level of expertise you want to develop and maintain in-house. And Michael, would you say that it's possible for an institution to develop some type of hybrid approach, one that includes some open source as well as some proprietary options? Certainly they can. And this is the path that we have chosen ourselves, where um, we're using a collection of supported products and tools in this big data space, as well as some open source tools along with some custom in-house developed things that we've been built. You know, and you can certainly go either direction, fully supported or commercially available or all open source and custom developed. We've kind of taken the approach of kind of picking the, the best of breed. Now, based on the decision that Zion's made to kind of handle some of its information in-house and develop what you've called, uh, Michael, you know, a best breed solution, would you say that handling big data in-house allows your institution to be somewhat more nimble and respond to fraud events more quickly? I would say yes. Handling our big data implementation along with the various analytics tools within our department has allowed us to be more nimble, mainly from the perspective of how quickly we can implement a new tool or load new data into our Hadoop cluster or even implement a new model. But as I mentioned before, there is a trade-off. In order to be successful, you need to make sure that you build the right team with members that have the right skill set. And we, at least through our experience, it kind of flagged four different areas that we believe we need to have some level of, of expertise in-house. And first, that was need to have people that have domain expertise with the data that you're capturing and loading to be able to understand it. Second, you need to have people on the team with data analytics and statistics backgrounds in order to efficiently work with the data and build models. Also, we've found, especially in the tool space, that having some folks with software development skills are quite handy to build data wrangling tools, as well as if you're using an open source application, you may need to tweak it to meet your needs. And then lastly, with system and application administration. You need to have folks that can uh, manage these tools. And, you know, that's certainly an area, those last couple ones are for you're using a commercial tool. You may not have to do as much in-house in that space. But again, we believe that there can be a trade-off. I guess there doesn't necessarily have to be a trade-off with how quickly you can uh, implement something or make a change. But we've made the decision that we definitely want it, the ability to change fast. So we decided to pull that expertise in-house. Now, Michael, you've talked about this entire department that Zion's Bank created and then some of the different individuals that you had to bring in that had different areas of expertise. From a cost savings perspective, I guess it's a balance there as well, right? Because if you have to create an entire department and bring in different levels of expertise, you're obviously going to increase your costs, but you might be saving if you're also handling a lot of this in-house rather than relying on another provider. When we started this, we selected people from within the existing security division to, to pull onto this team. So there wasn't a lot of you know new capital outlay to put this group together. The main area that we had to put some additional spend in place was on the data analytics side. We didn't have already people in-house that had backgrounds like Aaron has you know, with statistics and advanced uh, mathematical modeling. And then before we close, are there any final thoughts that either one of you would like to share about the creation of a new department 
or just big data and fraud prevention and detection generally? Well, I just wanted to reiterate the comments about having the right people on the team. In the big data space, there's all sorts of tools out there, and the tools are only as good as the people using them. So if you have the right people using those right tools, um, that's going to give you the biggest bang for the buck and be the most effective and impactful. And then my closing thought are that I think this is a real exciting time to be involved in security and fraud analytics. The barriers to entry have been lowered with work in this space with the availability of new open source tools. At the same time, it's creating all kinds of interesting new possibilities and career opportunities as well with data science, but data science being specifically applied to fraud and information security. But as Aaron kind of alluded to, there also seems to be a misconception with big data that it'll magically solve all of your analytical problems. And this is certainly not the case. You know, there are definitely new tools and techniques that can be used to solve problems um, when using data at a scale and at a price that hasn't been possible before. But as Aaron mentioned, it still requires people to interpret the result and derive insight or information from the data. Big data tools do not solve the problem as it's sometimes alluded to in the marketing materials. It does take people. And I guess if there's you know one thing that we could try to get across to people, it is it is that. I think that's the key thing. I'd like to thank both of you again for your time this afternoon. You're welcome. Very welcome. Thanks. Again, we've just heard from Michael Fox and Aaron Caldiero of Zions Bank. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.